Coming up on the 39th episode of Girls Play Footy on RSN Carnival, Katie Lambeski catches up with the coaches and the stars of the 2017 AFLW Draft. Plus, we catch up with those who took part in the 2017 USAFL Nationals in San Diego, California. That's all coming up this hour on RSN Carnival. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the 39th episode of Girls Play Footy on RSN Carnival. Today coming to you from Las Vegas, Nevada in the United States. Yes, an unusual location. That's because we were recently at the 2017 United States Australian Football League Nationals in San Diego, California. We'll have the results of that plus a bunch of interviews that we did coming up a little bit later on in the program. But our priority at the moment is to refocus on the 2017 AFL Women's Draft. Now, on last week's program, we brought the the immediate news of who was drafted and our first thoughts. Now, after that draft, Katie Lambeski caught up with a bunch of the coaches and players. Plus, as well, we're going to have a quick recap of those that were signed as free agents in the 48-hour period afterwards and those that were taken as rookies in the rookie draft on Friday, October 20th. So, plenty to get through on today's program. First of all, we start with Katie Lambeski from girlsplayfooty.com's interview with the coach of the Western Bulldogs women's team in Paul Groves. And Katie asked, first of all, what was the thought process behind draft pick number one, Isabel Huntington? And when did Paul break the news to Izzy that she would be number one? Uh, yeah, we went and visited uh, Izzy last night. Uh, I'm surprised her at home with that team and media crew in tow. And uh, yes, gave her the, the fantastic news that she was going to be pick one in the draft. Um, Monique, <coughs> Monique Conti as well. Um, what went into, what went behind her picking her at pick Carpet? Yeah, she's an elite talent. Um, yes, she's juggling basketball. We think we've got the setup and the staff to be able to work really cooperatively with the Melbourne Boomers and juggle her um, commitments and basketballs in season. So that's, uh, we'll take a priority until that yeah. finishes. Um, but she's also got Year 12 studies as well. So we're, we're, we're mindful of the whole picture and what that is for, for a young female who's 18 um, but we'll bring her in she lives around the corner um, she's got elite talent so we're, we're trying to bring as many good people and good talents into our footy club um, and that's the main thing um, from a general you know point of view what was the what was the approach heading into today what was the what was the priority uh, good character um, and that's I think you always hear that character um, trait you just select good people and we think we've selected some really good people for our footy club um, that are going to be able to contribute in a lot of roles we've got a lot of versatility with the ones we've drafted um, so I think it's yeah, it's really exciting and, and they're going to gel especially with, with KB and that coming back so that'd be really good um, how much can, well, how much do you foresee easy playing forward to help you know help ease the pressure on Katie Brennan like yeah it's been like I think everyone loses sight of the fact we're the second most goals in the comp, uh, second most shots on goal in the comp. So everyone's going how our forward line was dysfunctional, how forward line didn't work. Um, we, if we we kicked thirty one fifty one, if we kick forty one forty one, it's looking completely different. Everyone say, oh, your forward line really functioned well without Katie. So. Um, it's an interesting comment, yes, because we were we kicked two goals of one, uh, two goals of eleven, I think, against Adelaide. So um, Izzy can play anywhere. Um, yep. I don't know where we started. She might start at centre half back. She might on a half back flank somewhere like that, um, or, or sit up as a key forward there. But Astro Connor coming back in a, a heap of form. So yeah, few 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 
variations in that sort of stuff as well. Um, just back on the forward issue, um, do you change the way you're going, does it change the way you're going to forward 50 now? Is there more of an emphasis on that or is it just a matter of just convert, convert, convert? We'd like to take some more marks inside 50. We, yeah. we, uh, I think we're the third most inside 50s for the comp at Sur. We run it in a lot. Um, so there will be a huge focus on kicking for our um, for our year uh, in our pre-season. There'll be a huge focus on, on, on that, but um, does it change much? Oh, look, we've reviewed everything and gone, <laughs> gone through everything really closely. Um, <coughs> but we, we'll adapt that to the personnel that we've got as well. So, yeah, it'll be very exciting. Um, how much do you think it helps, Monique, to be playing alongside Emma Carney and Ali Blackburn in that midfield? Is, is that a kind of a push factor in itself, the fact that she knows them so well already? Does it help set into AFLW level, or is it different um, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think it will help because for her familiarity with those girls, and she only played four or five games in Melbourne Union this year, um, Mon, so um, that will be an advantage, I would, I would imagine, but it will also foster over our pre-season and, and how we go about that. Uh, all in all, as a result, all in all after today, did you achieve what you set out to? Are you happy yeah, with the really, final? Yeah, really happy. So we've, uh, yeah, really happy with our picks. We've put a bit of a wild card in there at Emma Mackey as our last one. Yep. Um, um, and then we've passed our last pick, so we'll go to the free agency over the next 24 hours and uh, be able to announce, hopefully, uh, a girl that we've been speaking to pretty closely. Western Bulldogs women's coach there, Paul Graves. Katie also caught up with the coach of the Melbourne AFLW team, being mixed to near. They had their first pick as pick six overall. They picked up Eden Zenka from the Bendigo Pioneers, and Katie started off by asking, what were the goals of the Demons heading into this draft? I think for us, we've been able to add four players that um, that fit into our program and, and finding the best available talent. So um, I think with, with Eden being able to take her with our first available pick, um, we're really excited. She's, she's a, uh, an exciting young prospect that has developed rapidly this year after having some time out of footy. Um, and we see her being a, you know, a, a long-term player for us and, and really keen to get her in the program. Um, Maddie Guerin, who we're... Um, Really happy she was available with our second pick, and she just brings great speed and athleticism. And um, what she's been able to do this year is, is really exciting as well. So, um, no, she's she'll be naturally suited to 16 aside footy on big grounds. But Tegan Cunningham was one that we looked at a you know, more of a mature player that can have an impact straight away. Um, she's got an extensive WNBL background and a real competitor on court, and has been competing against women for you know for over 10 years. So. Um, and then Claudia Whitford, uh, just a really exciting young athlete, um, combining um, surf life-saving and netball at a high level. And, uh, yeah, she's, she's one we're, we're really keen to develop and, and watch her grow over the years and um, potentially, like, a, you know, the, the new wave of AFLW athletes coming through and take the game to another level. So uh, was Eden the priority coming into today? Yeah, yeah, we were really yeah. impressed. Um, not just with her footy during the year, but her, her interviews with the Times we caught up with her. Um, I got to first sit down and chat with her at the Combine and just a really impressive young woman and um, just aligns to our values as a footy club and um, we're really excited to have her in a Melbourne jumper now. Um, was the focus on beefing up that midfield, that forward line, getting more goals in, was that the priority coming into today? Yeah, we definitely saw a need for some more key position players. Yeah. So even... Tegan, for example, uh, and Eden, they've got um, potential to play forward or back. Uh, 
So yeah, for us, yeah, definitely bolstering our, our forward line and looking at opportunities to be able to provide some more key defenders. But um, I think in behind that, we, we want athletes that can compete. It's uh, 16 aside in a summer comp and um, on big ground. So yeah, we, we feel like we've, we've covered a fair bit and we, we walk away today really happy. That dynamism, that pace that some of the new recruits will bring, um, you know, what will they bring to the Melbourne Footy Club in season 2018? Yeah, I think just a, another level of professionalism and um, high performance. I think a lot of the girls are performing currently at a high level in terms of their athleticism and um, their professionalism. So if you'll be able to bring them into the program, it'll, it'll not only further improve them, but um, increase the development of the girls we've got on our list so create a more competitive environment and yeah it's, it's going to be tough like only 16 players can uh, can occupy a spot on the field and we're going to have a, a list of 30 so um, yeah it's, it's going to be great for our club and our team How important is it for players to have to be able to play multitude of positions 16 aside how does it change the way you guys recruit how would impact this on your approach to days like today? Yeah, I think you, you definitely have, have have the versatility to be able to play in all parts of the ground and then and play in all three phases of the game. You can't just be a purely offensive player and park yourself in the forward line. You've, you've got to be able to help your teammates at all times. So um, I think what covers that is you know genuine competitors and, and team-orientated players. And um, yeah, we, we value that really highly. And once you get those people in, you can sort of mould them into positions from there. Mixed it here, there, the Melbourne AFLW coach. So you've heard from a couple of the coaches. Now let's hear from the players. First of all, here is the press conference that was held immediately after the draft with pick number one overall from the Melbourne University Women's Football Club, Isabel Huntington, who will be playing with the Western Bulldogs. Isabel, what's it like being number one? Um, it's a massive honour, as I said. I would have been happy to go anywhere, any pick, regardless. It doesn't really matter when you get into the club, whether you're one or a hundred, but i um, pretty honoured that they think of me that highly and I'm just excited get started. Does it come with any pressure? Um, yeah, I would say there's a degree of pressure always with the number one draft pick uh, as you've seen in boys often, but I think once you get into the club it shakes up a little bit and I'll be fine, hopefully. Were you told you were going to be the number one pick? I did find out last night in some interesting circumstances. I um, had a knock at the door and opened up to a, a group of Paul Groves, um, Rick Sandry, Chris Grant and about four cameras so I <laughs> wasn't expecting that, but um, yeah, it was an interesting way of finding out very exciting. What do you think you bring to the club? Um, I think as a young player, um, obviously a bit of youth is good and I've worked with a lot of the girls that played the Dogs before so I'm excited to bring some of that and um, hopefully I can be mentored by a few of their leaders and, and in future years um, become a leader myself there. And do you see yourself then as a role model? Um, yeah, it's an interesting question because obviously there are lots of girls, young girls probably watching today and uh, that are coming through the pathways that look up to women like us and it's hard to think of yourself as a role model. I mean, I see players like Katie Brennan and Ellie Blackburn as role models, but um, I have no doubt there were a few people watching today, so... Yeah, it's very special. Obviously, we've had a few tough years with the uh, broken leg in 2015 and then the ACL 2016, which meant I didn't play all of this year, so to be here is amazing. I can't wait to get started. Yeah, absolutely. Um, coming into the sort of back end of the ACL and close to playing again, I'm just uh, more and more hungry for it and can't wait to get into it. And what do you think you bring to the club? Um, I think, yeah, as I, as I said, I think um, a bit of youth and um, 
uh, my rapport with a lot of the players that I have so far. A lot of the Melbourne Uni players play for the Dogs, and I look forward to meeting all my new teammates. So I think that connection and that uh, sort of bonds on and off the field will be great. Your thoughts on Monique joining the club as well? I'm very excited about that. Um, Mon and I played many years at Vic Metro and Melbourne Uni as well, so she's an absolute gun of a player. Um, obviously a star basketballer as well, and a lovely person, so I can't wait to play with her. I didn't have many opportunities when I was growing up, but these girls have got um, all these growing opportunities and it's developing so quickly, so if they can take that and get to this level, it'll be really exciting. Obviously, Hannah Mouncey was deemed ineligible yesterday. What was your reaction to that? I probably don't know enough about the situation to make a comment on it, so we'll leave that to the what was your what the next couple of weeks, weeks look like for you? Uh, pretty busy, I'd say. I've got my BCE exams coming up in a couple of weeks, so we'll get through them and then get stuck into training, but it uh, should be pretty busy. How's the study been? With yeah, good. Uh, a little bit distracting this week, I would have said. I graduate school tomorrow, so um, pretty full-on week, but I uh, look forward to getting back into things and getting back into it. And how hard was it, sorry, how hard was it not to tell anyone last night? <laughs> it was a lot tricky. Me? I had to pull on my acting skills a little bit for the, the morning, but um, we got through in the end, and it's just nice to be able to celebrate with now. So when you got the text messages, you know, you're going to be number one, what did you say to people? Yeah, well, it was, yeah, the knock at the door from, so I didn't know yeah. anything prior and then I thought um, someone else was coming over and then I opened the door and saw Paul Groves and the, the Western Bulldogs Brigade there, so um, I was pretty shocked to be honest, I wasn't expecting that there were some great names that were called after me that easily could have been the number one pick, so um, I was over the moon really. Who some of the mentors that have helped you get this far? Oh, I've had plenty, yeah. I could name them for an hour, but um, playing with Katie Brennan now will be very exciting. She's been very influential, and then uh, one of my coaches in Melbourne Uni, Bridget Barker, has been amazing alongside Shiloh Curtis, who is just an inspirational woman, and she's part of the reason that we have the AFLW today. So there are a few not notable mentions, but I could go on for hours, as I said. Do you think it's hard to refocus on your studies? Um, I think I should get back into the swing of things. I just make sure um, that's a priority probably at this stage before pre-season starts. So uh, we'll try and get through the exams and then uh, into footy after that. Which subjects are you doing? Um, I've got Japanese, um, specialist maths, chemistry, biology and English language. Still dreams of studying medicine? Yeah, that's the hope. So whether I go and do science or biomed or go straight into medicine, I'm not sure at this stage, but that's definitely what I hope for at this stage and we'll see how it goes. I'm at St. Michael's Grammar School. The knee's 100% ready to go now? Yeah, yeah. So I was almost at 100% training when I was uh, training with Melbourne Uni before um, they were, were let out of the finals. So um, almost at full contact then. And uh, we'll see what the doggies want to do in terms of a gradual start or getting straight into things. But yeah, it's almost 100%, which is great. And the break was on the same leg? No, that was my right leg. Bounce it up. <laughs> How tough is it coming back from that, from those injuries? And do you think that you would ever get to this point? Um, yeah, it was definitely an interesting feeling at first when I did the knee. It was pretty devastating. But, um, I, you know, there were a lot of women that have come back from ACLs, you know, Astro Connor and, and the Doggies Gear, and a few other women that have come back from ACLs uh, on other teams. So seeing them and their pathway and the way that they've succeeded now was definitely um, motivating and inspirational for me. And uh, now that, you know, we're here, I, yeah, this process has gone well. So. Do you think you have kind of a serious impact next year? Um, it's hard to tell, really. Obviously, the AFLW is stacked with some amazing talents, and uh, this is the first draft where you know it's primarily 
15 year olds coming through so it's hard to tell in that sense and hard to compare to the boys as well but um, I'll see how I go over pre-season and see where I go in terms of my fitness and, and playing style and level but it's a different environment so hard to predict. Having not played or people having not seen you play do you feel like you have a point to prove next year? A little bit yeah so obviously it was a bit different this year because I hadn't played and uh, there probably wasn't as much vision for the coaches to watch of me but um, I think I'm going to try not to put too much pressure on myself and just uh, you know ease my way in and hopefully it all goes well. Of course heading into the draft the big question was was it going to be Isabel Huntington that was going to go as pick number one or another player one that ended up being taken as pick number three overall second out of the Victorian draft pool going to a club where her uncle played for Jared Malloy. Chloe Malloy of the Diamond Creek Women's Football Club is now a Collingwood Magpie. Here was her press conference. Uh, Chloe, how do the black and white stripes feel? Uh, I feel at home, to be honest. Um, supported this team growing up and um, I've always I've put this jersey on as a supporter but now I'm putting it on as a player. It's pretty unreal to say. When did you realise you were going to be pick three? Um, I actually, it was the unknown. It was the waiting game. That first pick, Izzy went and hats off to her. She deserves that number one spot. Then I knew it wasn't going to be Fremantle. And uh, then Wayne went up there, pick three. I just, yeah, no idea. And then, and then got caught out. Were you secretly hoping you were going to be number one just for that um, prize? Look, my fingers were across the Collingwood. It'd be a very nice, it'd be a nice tie, but I was happy to go anywhere. But just um, at Collingwood, I, I couldn't be anymore, anymore. It was prouder. Sorry, it was sort of a two-horse race between you and Isabel for the number one pick. Was that added, added pressure coming in today? Um, no, no, I don't think it was. Izzy and I are very close. Um, uh, we we communicated um, up coming up to the draft, and um, we always said that I'd have your back, you'd have your back. You deserve whatever position you take. So it wasn't so much out of pressure, just because um, we had that relationship, and it was it made it a lot more easy to deal with. Yeah, you had a phenomenal. Um, well, I, I played footy as a younger girl, and um, I guess then it was my dream. But um, my dream actually switched. Um, I wasn't sure there was a youth girl, so I went to basketball. My my dream was actually college, and I did have that. Um, available for me but I turned that down and my dream did change in, um, in a matter of a year and uh, I've ticked it off already so um, bigger dreams to come. Where were you going to play college? Where were you going to play your college basketball? Um, I was going to play at the Virginia Commonwealth University um, not that way. What is it about AFL? I love the freedom, I love that it's it's a game where you can um, really express the athlete that you are, you have such a, a big playing field, um, there's so many skills that takes to play footy and um, yeah I really like, enjoy the freedom of being able to express um, all my uh, athletic uh, abilities. Was it a brave decision Chloe or a tough call to give up a promising basketball career and return to footy? Uh, it actually, it surprised me it actually wasn't. Um, uh, nothing on the sport but I, I fell out of love with basketball. Um, it's not what I wanted to it wasn't the path I wanted to take anymore so it wasn't tough for me it was simply just a case of following your heart and that's what I've done Seeing what Monique's doing is it something that interests you potentially in the future? Um, look I'm not going to knock back basketball I, I was that was a big part of my life it's a big part of who I am it's, um, it's defined me but um, I, I don't think I'll be going back to professional basketball I think um, I can really pursue a career in football but i maybe go play locally with a few friends you're coming off a phenomenal sort of year, so many accolades and awards. What are your expectations now going into AFLW? Um, so I've spoken to Wayne. Um, really the expectation is just to, to go in there, um, find my place. Um, I think I might have a new role. Um, I've proven myself as a forward, uh, maybe roll through the midfield and um, see if I can grow as a player through there and, and then grow into the midfield and 
uh, expressed that through my whole game and um, become a better player. So expect, expectations are just to be me. Um, and they've selected me at third because that's, that's the player I am. And uh, yeah, yeah. What do you want to bring to Collingwood? Um, I think I think I, I have some leadership qualities. I really want to bring that in. And being a young player, um, I do have a bit of confidence to bring that in. But I want to obviously want to bring some goals, um, some wins, um, but just yeah, a good character who, who's committed on and off field. How much of an advantage is it knowing that you've stood up and been able to compete at that standard in the VFLW and a lot of the AFLW players are playing in that competition, showing you're going to kick goals and, and be competitive? Is that an advantage? Um, for me, it's, I wouldn't say it's an advantage as such, but it is, it is a confidence boost to know that um, there are the high-level athletes in the VFL but AFL women's is just a whole other level, so I wouldn't I wouldn't say I have an advantage going in. Um, I definitely have, I have confidence going in, but um, uh, yes, I don't know what to expect as such yet. I know, and it'll be tough. Do you see it as being a big step for you to jump from VFL women's to AFLW next year? Um, I think it will be a big step. I think it'll be um, the it, it, it's another level of elite, um, and just gonna be ready for it. Continuing our look back at the 2017 AFL Women's Draft and all the interviews and press conferences, one player that was uh, thrown up there as a first-round draft pick, she ended up being taken as pick four overall, pick three out of the Victorian draft pool, is WNBL basketballer Monique Conti, and she has been signed to the Western Bulldogs. Here's her press conference. Very honoured and privileged, especially, you know, to be selected at the Bulldogs. Tell us a bit about, I guess, what, you know, going through your emotions when your name was brought out Um, I was just very excited the whole time, and I was nervous, of course, um, having to go up on stage, but, um, yeah, it's just a very good feeling up there. Um, who are some of the mentors that Um, definitely all my coaches along the way. Um, uh, my mentor, um, Ahmed Saad, has you know, helped me get here as well, um, given give, um, good advice to me and all that sort of stuff. So, um, like I said, just all the coaches that have helped me get me here today. I think we're all keen to, to find out how is it going to work, juggling elite basketball with elite football. I get that question a lot. Um, I've got a lot of support around me from the DK Melbourne Boomers and you know, now the Bulldogs. So um, they're both aware of, at the moment, my commitments with my basketball and then in um, AFLW season, the, com- the commitment's there. So, um, yeah, I've just got a lot of support around me to help me um, get through it all. So how does the training for the pre-season schedule look like? Do you sort of do mostly basketball between now and then? Or how does it work? Um, I miss a little bit of the pre-season for the AFLW season. Um, but the seasons don't um, end up clashing, which um, helps a lot. So you're planning to play a full AFLW season and a full WNBL season? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's the plan. Are you ever worried you have to make a choice? Um, no, I'm not worried at the moment. Um, I haven't had to make a choice um, this far, so um, yeah, not too worried about that. Do you think growing up, was this your dream? I started football when I was about um, 10 years old, um, and from then on I always wanted to play AFL and um, could never do it, but now you know there's a pathway all the way and you know, I'm standing here um, being drafted to an AFLW club. So yeah, it was a dream all along, um, and obviously to play WNBL and AFLW you know, at the highest level I can. So, yeah. What are some of the traits, Monique, you're hoping to bring to the dogs? Um, probably um, some experience playing with an elite club. I've playing with the Boomers. I've been exposed to an elite environment, so um, I guess I can bring some sort of level of professionalism. 
what are your thoughts on joining Isabel? Obviously, Melbourne Uni teammates and now Bulldog teammates. Um, it's definitely very amazing. I mean, we played, we've been playing since um, back in 2014. So, definitely so exciting being able to play alongside her again. Um, definitely a very good thing. What do you think of her as a player? What are her strengths? Um, she's a great all-round player, um, very athletic, great forward to kick to, good target. Um, yeah, just can play very, very versatile. Have you exceeded your expectations of Shimonet coming through Port of Cannons and obviously Diamond Creek as well? Out uh, Melbourne Uni. Out uh, Melbourne Uni, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't, you know, didn't expect to be here, but I guess you know, putting in all the hard work and had the help from Port of Cannons and um, some exposure with women at Melbourne Uni. So. And how do you describe your own playing style for people who haven't seen you? Um, well, I, I'm a midfielder, so I, I like to run a lot, um, uh, get in and out of packs, and um, use the ball, uh, use my ball skills. So, yeah, just the speed side of things. I guess down the track, have you ever thought about wanting to represent Australia in, in the basketball, and does that sort of you know make a bit of an impact on, on this sort of stuff as well? Um, yeah, I do want to represent um, Australia in the senior level. I've represented them um, 17 and 19s level, so um, that's definitely the next step, next step with me in my basketball. But um, yeah, just going to see how it goes. What are people's backgrounds support up on the stage today? I guess how important is that to be able to achieve these dreams? Um, it's definitely um, very helpful. I mean, if I didn't have the support from the Melbourne Boomers and if the um, football side of things I didn't understand um, my basketball commitments, then I wouldn't be able to juggle the both. But um, also the support from my family, they're um, allowed, you know, they want me to do both and to pursue my dreams with both sides of things. Um, the success of the first season last year, did that sort of exceed, exceed your expectations as far as like, the crowds that showed up and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, it was um, definitely very exciting to see. Um, wasn't as expected, but um, it was definitely um, deserving. So, yeah, it was definitely very exciting. Hopefully um backs up this year as well. One of the feel-good stories coming out of the AFL Women's Draft was the return of Jordan Zanchetta. Now, Jordan from the Yoronga South Brisbane Devils up in Queensland had played a number of AFL Women's Exhibition matches, was on track to be taken in the last draft by the Brisbane Lions and play in the inaugural AFLW season. But unfortunately, mid-year during the QWAFL season, she did her ACL and was ruled out for 12 months. She's done her rehab, she's come back, and she was taken as the Lions' first pick, pick seven overall in the AFLW draft. Jordan Zanchetta speaking here with our own Katie Lambeski. Um, obviously very exciting. Um, my heart was beating a million, million miles an hour in front of all those people, but obviously very exciting, very grateful um, for the opportunity. Uh, when did you find out you were going to be at pick, six, uh, be at pick seven? Um, a, bit of a, a bit over a week ago. Yeah. Let us know so we can make some plans to obviously come here to Melbourne. Sure. Um, how do you feel like you have a point to prove missing? Obviously, last the last season, which I which I thought you were certain to take part in until the injury. Do you feel like there's a kind of a point to prove in to take the AFLW head on? I mean a little bit. Um, obviously, it's a team game, so I'll just play my role for the team. Um, but yeah, you know, I'm, I'm excited to, to show what I've got. I guess, um, yeah, just to get into it. Uh, what do you want to bring to Brisbane? Um, I think hard on the footy. Obviously, win that ball in close and uh, feed it out. So, but whatever you know, whatever the coach wants wants me to do, I'm happy to do that. Play my role. Yeah. Sure. Uh, what did you think of their first season, going all the way to the grand final? Uh, how did you see it from your perspective? I guess. 
Um, I think it was, it was really great what, what the Lions were able to do. Obviously, we've probably written off early on um, coming from Brisbane, but I mean, yeah. we showed you know what we could do. We're strong, hard of the footy, create a contest, um, and I think that'll, that'll hold us in good stead for this next season. Yeah. Sure. How important was it to be uh, reunited with your, your friend Emily Bates, uh, yeah. you know, coming together, obviously playing in the same yeah. team at the highest level? Yeah. I mean, I'm really looking forward to it. Obviously, being being out last year was, was hard to watch, you know, to see her, because she's obviously a leader and leads on the field. I'm trying to do it, so I can't wait to get back out there and play alongside her. Sure. Your thoughts on Craig Starcevich as a coach? Um, you know, obviously, been connected with him for a while now with his role up in Queensland. What are your thoughts on him as a coach? Um, I think he's a great coach. Um, he, you know, he, he has the plan for, I think he has a clear plan for what he wants us to do. Um, and he's always there, you know, for advice and he's always, we're always wanting to learn and, and he gives that to us, so he's great. Yep. Um, who, are you, who are the more important um, people that have got you to this point? Who would you like to thank as part of your journey to this point? Obviously my family, my mum and dad yeah. are big supporters. It was hard for them to come and watch the games when I wasn't playing, so for them to do that and help out the club was amazing. So obviously my mum and dad, they got my brother and sister, and obviously my rehab support um, all through that as well. One interesting pick to watch was who were the reigning premiers going to take as their first pick, pick number eight overall in the AFL Women's Draft. Well, it's going to be a sister act now at the Adelaide Crows. Joining Sarah Allen, who was drafted last year, is her sister Jess Allen out of the Salisbury Magpies. Here she is speaking to Katie Lambeski on her initial thoughts of being taken by the reigning premiers. Um, I know, sort of relieved because you yeah. know, pretty nervous time, but yeah, I don't know, just excited for the months that are coming ahead and you know, next year it's going to be an awesome experience, I think. Sure. Um, when did you know you were going to get uh, taken by the Crows? Um, obviously, I had to have a bit of knowledge before getting flown over to come. Um, but I, I don't know, I sort of didn't believe it at the start because I didn't want to, you know, come and then it not happen. Yeah. So I sort of, you know, went with the mentality of it's, it doesn't happen until your name gets spread out. So. Uh, what are your thoughts of playing AFLW? It's obviously a whole new level of elite. What are your thoughts of playing in the, in the competition? Um, well, obviously, it's another step up from what I'm playing, but yeah. I don't know, I'm sort of looking forward to the extra challenge. Um, that sort of, you know, everything with sport is got to be prepared for, like, what you don't know. And yeah. I think that's a big thing with this. So, yeah, just do everything I can in pre-season and you know, use the club as much as I can to you know, have a good season. Uh, what are you most looking forward to? Um, I think probably getting to know the different teammates. Obviously, yeah. with likes of Aaron Phillips and Chelsea Randall, they just have so much wisdom, not just on the field, but off the field. Yeah. Uh, you know, just about life and everything with media and stuff. That There's so much to learn and they're really there to, like, to help. Um, obviously, watching from a distance last year, what did you think of the Crows' season? Yeah, um, obviously, a lot of people didn't expect them to do too well. Yeah. So, yeah, they shocked a lot of people. But um, having Sarah in the team, my sister, so yeah. I, was, I watched it pretty closely and... Yeah, I was just sort of, obviously I was looking at her individually as well, but yeah, I just really hoped that they'd you know, get across the line, and when they did, it was awesome to watch the grand final, just to see it all happen. Uh, what does it mean to play alongside your, alongside your sister? Uh, just dream come true, really. Yeah. Um, and I've said a lot, like, to think that we'd go from running around together as that four or five-year-olds playing Auskick to now playing an elite AFLW team together, it's like, you couldn't dream of it. What do you want to bring to the Crows? Um, well, obviously, as a ruck, I, um, going in, I've already got Metcalf there, so I yep. obviously just want to learn a lot from her and then, you know, try and do my best to give them all I can in my position 
and yeah, just you know, use all the opportunities they've got to help them make them a better team, I guess. Um, first round pick, does that add kind of pressure? Is that something you welcome? Is that, how do you handle all that? Um, well, obviously it adds a lot more pressure and expectation, yeah. but I sort of feel like it, it puts a bit more incentive to work harder and make a better impression of yourself during games. So yeah, while it might um, you know, put a bit more expectation, yeah, I definitely um, sort of welcome that because it'll make me work harder. A lot of talk has been, a general theme has been around who, you know, thanking the people that have bought, that have helped support throughout the journey. Um, who would you like to thank at this point? Um, well, the main thing would be my family. Um, yeah. Living in um, like a small country town, we have to drive like four and a half hours every weekend practically to get to Adelaide for trainings and games. So my mum and dad have, you know, done so many kilometres just to get us to trainings and that. And um, so I couldn't, well, I literally couldn't be here without them. And especially my dad with all the trainings he does, because obviously. I, I can't come up and train with different mm. squads up in Adelaide so he does a lot of one-on-one work with me and just kicking the foot in the backyard all the time so he's had a massive impact on my football career. Sure. Um, was, was playing at this level always a target for you, always a dream for you? When did it start to kind of foment in your head playing at this level? Yeah, um, well, I suppose I was, I've always been pretty competitive in my basketball and football. Yeah. Um, and then it wasn't really until this year when I come back from basketball championships and I went back into the Glenelg's like, SNFL season back home. Yeah. And yeah, having footage of the games, I did game review and all that sort of stuff. And I got a bit of like, a taste of what it's like to have an elite um, yeah. you know, you know, uh, environment to work in. And from there, it's just sort of like, you know, I want to get there. And especially watching Sarah at the Crows and their success. And I just thought, you know, I want to do that. So that concludes the interviews conducted by girlsplayfooty.com co-founder Katie Lambeski at last week's 2018 AFL Women's Draft. Uh, a couple of days later, they did hold the Rookie Draft. Now, the Rookie Draft is for players that have not played Australian rules football within the last three years or are aged 21 and under. Thanks to Kirby Fenwick, she compiled this list for the Adelaide Crows. They went on to pick up in the draft uh, Callista Boyd from the Northern Territory, a pacey midfielder who can find the goals was one of only two NT players invited to the recent AFLW Combine, where she featured in the top 10 for running vertical jump and the 20-metre sprint. They also picked up a small agile forward in Brianna Walling. For the Brisbane Lions, they went and got midfielder Gabby Collingwood alongside Bond University's Molly Ritson. And they also picked up former tennis player Crystal Scott. She was uh, formerly ranked as a top 100 Australian tennis player and only picked up the footy last year. For the uh, Carlton Blues, they had signed uh, 20-year-old netballer Madison Gay and 25-year-old basketballer Karen Harrington uh, from the Bendigo Spirit in May, but then upgraded them from the rookie list to the primary list, which meant they had three rookie draft picks going into uh, last Friday. They selected uh, 19-year-old Tina Cochran from the uh, Bendigo Thunder, uh, winning a flag with a Thunder and a uh, best and fairest in the NFLW Coaches Player of the Year. So she certainly comes with a, a great pedigree there. Alongside her, they uh, took a pacey outside mid, Katie Jane Grieve from Western Australia, who played a first season of footy for South Bunbury this year. And they also picked up Tasmanian Courtney Webb, a, juice, a dual sport athlete who will be combining playing footy with cricket for the Tasmanian Raw. 
The Collingwood Magpies had signed a Commonwealth Games gold medalist and former hockey route Georgie Parker and a former Australian volleyballer in Eliza Haynes earlier this year. So they only took in one pick to the draft and they decided to use that to pick up 18-year-old Holly Whitford, a versatile midfielder and forward from Cranbourne in the VFLW. For the Fremantle Dockers, they used their first rookie draft selection to take up Lisa Webb, a 33-year-old who debuted with the Coastal Titans this year from the an elite runner, and it's great to see her pick up the Titans' a best first-year player award and then immediately uh, be taken by the Dockers. Their second pick was Jade DeMolo, a 24-year-old who played for East Fremantle, and alongside them they picked uh, Beatrice Devlin, who they delisted after the 2017 season. Because she's a 19-year-old, therefore she is under the age of uh, 21. They could take her as a rookie selection. And they also picked up Taylor uh, McAuliffe for their primary list. They had that extra pick because of Kirby Bentley uh, being moved to the long-term injury list. For the GWS uh, Giants, they took uh, Hanine Zarika, uh, an 18-year-old, as their first uh, rookie draft pick. Uh, she made the top 10 in both the yo-yo and the two-kilometre trial at the AFLW Draft Combine. Alongside her, they took Tate Mackerel, an 18-year-old forward from Adelaide who played for the Allies in the under-18s uh, state of origin uh, back in early September. Plus, they also got uh, Nepola Al Bennett's as well, a former Victorian, and she played for the Fury in the Australian Netball League. The Melbourne Demons used their two remaining uh, rookie draft picks to take 28-year-old Anna Teague, who was a former captain of the Geelong Supercats in the Seaball Women's Basketball Competition. Uh, she debuted for Geelong this year in the VFLW and was a key rock for them in defence. They also picked up from the ACT's Gungarland Jets, uh, Maddie Shevlin, and uh, Shevlin was named to the ACT Team of the Year and was a previous member of the GWS Giants Academy. Along with them, they had signed earlier in the year uh, Sandringham Sabres basketballer Kate Hall in May. She was actually elevated to the main list, which freed up an extra rookie pick. They also uh, took uh, 28-year-old former netballer Erin Hoare, who debuted for Geelong uh, in the VFLW this year. Uh, she played ruck for them, and obviously so, being at 194 centimetres and will be the tallest player in the AFL women's competition. The Western Bulldogs drafted Naomi Ferris from the VU Western Spurs a silky, fast-paced, physical defender as uh, their rookie draft picked. And uh, they also picked up uh, Southern Saints uh, netballer in Bonnie Toogood and 19-year-old hockey player in Ainsley uh, Utree. Uh, she was actually signed originally in August, so that rounds out their three rookie draft picks. All of the details on the main draft and the rookie draft are available online at girlsplayfooty.com. Now, we're about to go to our interviews from the USAFL Nationals that were held in San Diego, California this weekend. Before we focus on the US teams, the Aussie Sparks uh, women's footy team, uh, it's a developing uh, a bunch of girls aged between 16 to 26 who are trying to improve their football to uh, end up getting a spot on an AFLW list. Well, it's been successful so far because in year one, while over here in California, what happened was Emily Maguire one of their players got taken as pick 33 for the Fremantle Dockers and then 24 hours later taken as a free agent. Melissa Freckleton uh, is taken to the GWS Giants. So success already for the Sparks. As part of their tour and seeing NCAA colleges and training with USAFL women's teams, they took on uh, a bunch of uh, USAFL all-comers, so to speak, in two games at the USAFL Nationals. And we caught up immediately afterwards with the uh, Swan District's WAWFL Premiership coach and coach of the Aussie 
Sparksy Sparks and Nicole Grace. We first of all ask her how she was enjoying California and did she want to go home? Oh, listen, uh, I'd be nice to uh, get home and actually have a bit of a rest. Obviously, it's been a really busy time with the girls up at six, you know, finishing at midnight, you know, a lot of travel coming down from San Francisco all the way down to San Diego. I mean, it's been a fantastic experience for me and obviously, uh, you know, the young girls that we've got with us. So, yes, I'd like to go home and have a sleep, actually. Well, let's talk about the Sparks first before we talk about some of the USA football. First of all, what did it mean for the first name, Emily Maguire, to be called out that she was taken by the Fremantle Dockers with all the girls in her hotel room watching it happen? Yeah, it was pretty exciting, wasn't it? I mean, you know, obviously she wasn't around her family, but, you know, over that, you know, we'd been together a week or so by then, so everyone was so excited. And particularly some of the young girls we've got that are on their pathway or want to get on that pathway, for them to see an 18-year-old drafted and be sitting next to her, I think they really, really motivated them. So it was a really wonderful experience for everybody. And what about Melissa Freckleton? She probably would have seen the draft gone and gone, oh, well, that's me. And then what, less than 24 hours later, a phone call to California that, hey, we want you a GWS? Yeah, it was amazing for Freck. And, and listen, obviously a bit more of a senior player in her 20s, but really deserve it. And I guess the first training session to me, she was obviously one of those ones that had a lot more than, um, than was probably the rest of the group in terms of her development. And I'm so pleased for her, you know, having known her for a couple of weeks now and spent, you know, 24-7 with her. She's so deserving and I think she'll be fantastic and I think, you know, with GWS, um, you know, Le- likes of Alicia Eva and, and having Al McConnell as her coach, she's just going to go from strength to strength. It was advertised that the group would be 16 to 26 year olds, so what was the breakup of, in the end of age groups and players from around the country? Uh, majority were between that sort of 18 and 21 with, we had five uh, girls under the age of 18, obviously a bit of celebration there uh, behind us. Yeah, so five girls under the age of 18, so 16, to, uh, 16 and 17 year olds and then a couple just snuck in the you know, the 25 to 27 age group. But you know, it's been an amazing um, uh, couple of weeks for, for me as a coach, but for these girls to be around Cara Donnellan, you know, be around Juddy and, and see her elite performance. You know, the girls finished playing today and, and Juddy had her wheel out and was doing her sprints after the game. So for them to see that, I think it's really, it inspires them and also makes them understand, you know, what they have to do. And what does it mean to you as a coach that you were actually, I think it was on the Saturday, the girls were running some water and then they approached you to ask, can we go back to the hotel early so we can do more whiteboard stuff and learn even more? Yeah, that's, that's been really, uh, right from the start we did a couple of sessions, obviously in the first few days and, and all they wanted was more so for me it, it was so good to see and it just sort of says, you know, obviously we still need to be developing as our club coaches because you know, my expectation that these girls would know a little bit more than they did but to be able to fulfil you know, their expectations um, was really a wonderful experience for me. And a little bit of critique, you've known her for a while but what did you think of Juddy taking on an assistant coaching role with the tour? Oh, listen, you know, Cara and I work together full time at Swans We, she's my captain at club and, and so we obviously spend a lot of time together we often say, thank goodness uh, we like each other because we do spend an amazing amount of time together. This is our second camp in a row after the Kimberley tour um, with only 36 hours in between and we go back, we've got five days in Perth and then we've got 60 boys in the Pilbara for another three day camp, you know, with West Coast Eagles so, you know, really this time of year footy just never stops for us so for me, you know, she's an amazing role model, inspires me and, and you know, keeps me organised uh, and, you know, obviously for me to be able to share um, footy with her and these experiences with her is really nice Just quickly, for those younger players as part of your group, what's your hope for them of where they're currently at and hopefully them getting to AFLW. 
listen, there's some obviously some real opportunity for some of them. Some of them have got to go back and do some really significant work on their skills, others on their fitness. But, you know, we've been pretty open and honest with them and that's been the nice thing about being away and spending so much time together. You do forge relationships really quickly rather than just seeing them for five hours a week or whatever. So, yeah, so we've been really honest with our feedback um, to them and we'll watch the game back and, um, and obviously look at that and give them more feedback. So for me, their development's the most important thing. And if I can help in any little way, then, you know, we're on the way. So, and they'll take the things that they've learnt back to their clubs and those, you know, new drills and new ways of training and new ways of developing their own games, I think is really important. Talking about new drills and new ways of training, how's it been like training with San Francisco and Sacramento, trying to teach the American girls to try and develop their game a little more? Well, as I said, the skills, nice, as I said, I was nicely surprised. The skills over here are very good, though, I guess, because they concentrate and they don't think they're superstars. They concentrate on their skills. Their kicking and handball is really good. What was their biggest, um, I guess, down in this is that they don't know how to tackle properly. So there's lots of injuries and, and we were like, whoa, we're a little bit scared, not because of the contact, but because of, they just had the wrong technique. So, you know, we're lucky to play some friendly games, so it wasn't as important, so they weren't really going hard. But, yeah, if we came over again, I think some tackling um, classes would be well worth it and it just would make it safer for them and more enjoyable for them. And for some of the star players that you saw on the women's side throughout the tournament, if you were to look at the gap between where they're at now to say, let's say state league level back in Australia, how many do you reckon of the players are you seeing could possibly make it to state league if they spent the required time over in Australia? Uh, the Ameri- oh, listen, a lot of them. I reckon there's you know, five or six at least in each team. As you said, their skills are very good, their endeavour, they're passionate uh, and all those other things. It's really just teaching them then the game, how we move the footy, uh, how to be safe um, rather than being crazy and just diving at everything, how to really self-preserve um, their bodies and, and obviously play, I guess, within the spirit of the game, not just sort of attacking it like I think they hear full contact sport and they think that they have to go and basically spear tackle everyone. So there were some nasty little things. They're brave, they're tough. So, yeah, really the transition wouldn't be hard because a lot of them are really good athletes. Nicole, thank you very much for your time and enjoy the rest of your time in California. Thanks, Pete. Now let's really focus on the 2017 USA EFL Nationals that were played last weekend in San Diego, California. It was a privilege to be there. And good news is, if you go to youtube.com forward slash USAFL, over the coming days, we're starting to upload some of the games that we recorded while we're there. We recorded 14 women's matches, including two of the Aussie Sparks uh, exhibition games as well. It was San Francisco Iron Maidens going into the tournament as reigning champions. Some thought they might have fluked it against Denver last year and wondered if they were up to the task this year, particularly with two Canadian teams, the highly fancied Montreal Angels and the Calgary Kookaburras. In fact, there were fears from the Americans that it could be an all-Canadian grand final. It wasn't to be so. and It ended up being the San Francisco Iron Maidens and the Denver Bulldogs going to the big dance. And in the end, in a low-scoring arm wrestle, San Francisco 2-2-14 defeated Denver 1 straight 6. Estrada and Smola kicking the goals for San Francisco. The sole goal for the Bulldogs coming from Lindsay Kastanek. We immediately caught up afterwards with Bevan English who we thought had a sensational game in the midfield and dropping back to defence and uh, asked upon her thoughts of taking out 
back-to-back titles. It feels amazing. I, I can't even put it into words. We've worked so hard for this. Like, this has been our goal for nine months, and we've achieved it again for the second year in a row. It's amazing. What was the feeling coming into the tournament? It was a bit of a patchy record through the Western Regionals and, and local games. Was the pressure there that this time you were the hunted? Yeah. Oh, we absolutely knew we had a target on our backs. We knew that coming into this tournament, but there wasn't really pressure. It was just we knew it, and we knew we had to play strong, and we did. Talk about no pressure. How did it feel, though, being at centre-half back up against that all-star Denver Bulldogs team, particularly after they got their first goal on the board and it felt like, oh, they're coming and they're trying to throw down the challenge? No, I mean, they had a good goal. We had we had a slight breakdown. We talked about it at halftime and we knew what we needed to fix. So uh, we weren't nervous. We were very we were in the right mindset before this game. That's one thing we focused on for this tournament. It's being the right mindset before a game and we, we were and we maintained it. Just a number of star midfielders as well. When you go through the likes of Nicole McKenzie, Margaret Leone, Sarah Maggione as well, just to name a few. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Our midfield goes to win the ball every time. It's great. And then we have people supporting so we can find those link ups and then give it to our forwards. I think our connections through the midfield are what won us this tournament. I think I heard someone over say Dynasty. You've won two in a row. When's the planning start for number three? Uh, the planning starts now. Are you kidding me? We celebrate tonight. We start planning tomorrow. And then is it a tour of the cup again like last year? Buzzworks, etc. Will there be a party in old San Francisco town? Uh, there's always a party in San Francisco with the maidens. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We've also seen as well, great growth just quickly for your club. You managed to have an overflow of six or seven players that helped uh, Los Angeles in Division 2. Yeah, I think that speaks to the growth of the game throughout the country, but particularly for the GGFL. I mean, we have the biggest club in the country. We brought two full men's teams, a full women's team, half of a women's team and half of another men's team. I think we're just doing a great job recruiting, and it's a great group of people. And it's a fun sport. How can you not grow? And just one last one. Do you think it was a bit of an advantage having the Sparks come down about a week and a half before the tournament? And not even necessarily just the training skills, just to break it up a bit, just to have someone different to train with? Yeah, absolutely. And and we did one drill with them, and it was a new drill for us, and it actually was something we need to work on. So it, it, tr- it helped us tremendously. Bevan, who knows? Very shortly you could be named player of the grand final. We'll find out shortly. But congratulations to you and the San Francisco Iron Maidens. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. We also caught up with the president of the Golden Gate Australian Football League and player in the San Francisco Iron Maidens team, the veteran herself in Julie Marks, and how it felt to be back-to-back Division One premiers. Oh, it feels so good. It feels so good. Um, Denver played their hearts out. They really stepped it up for our game. We always expect them to hit hard and run fast, and they they came through. But you know, I think we had a couple key linkups, couple key goals, and man, we ran. And it was good. It feels real good. Ready to host, host, put that trophy in the air. Talk about the GGAFL. You're now president of that. You look after the women of the Iron Maidens, also the Golden Gate Roos men's side. A day where you have two teams in two Division One grand finals. What does that mean? It's absolutely amazing. You know, our club, we get started, uh, you know, come March and we, we have a big Metro season and then we all come together. And I think that's my favorite part about this is when everybody just comes together, put on the same blue and orange and represent the Bay Area. And I'm so excited for the boys. I hope we bring home two trophies. Carly Smolak, a giant again today. Yeah, she's pretty good. She's okay. We'll keep her around. <laughs> but no, she uh, love love getting the ball into Carly, watching her do her work in the air. And even when, you know, she gets a good tap in to, for the rebound, the link ups are just we're just on point this this whole tournament. And just one thing as well, uh, we talked about the goals in this game, even the one by the Denver Bulldogs. It seemed like the stars came to rise. Carly Smolak kicked that crucial goal. The first goal was kicked by Jessica Estrada. And on their side as well, Lindsay Kastanak. It was a game where all the big guns for both sides had to come out. Yeah, I mean, that's what we expect. You know, clutch players to come in and do their job and then get the support.
support staff around them to, to make them look good. That's what Team Footy is all about. It's making each other successful and making everybody look good. Now, finally, is the most stressful thing the coming days where you've got to look at Buzzworks in San Francisco, wondering where's space on the wall for that second flag to go? Uh, they'll figure it out. I expect them to put some trophies up there too for us, so they're going to make room for us. Julie, thank you very much, and congratulations on going back-to-back Division One champions. Yes, thank you. Thanks for having me. So at the USAFL Nationals, the women's Division One finished like this. San Francisco taking out the title. They had also uh, topped Pool A with three wins, no losses. Uh, in their pool... Uh, Minnesota finished second with uh, two wins and one loss. The Seattle Grizzlies on debut, one win, two losses. And the highly fancy Montreal Angels went away with donuts. No wins, three losses. From Pool B, the Denver Bulldogs obviously uh, topped that with three wins and no losses to get through the grand final where they'd end up being runners-up. The Calgary Kookaburras fell one short going down to Denver on the Sunday morning. They had two wins, one loss. The New York Magpies, after a winless 2016, took home a win this year. One win, two losses. And Unlucky for the Sacramento Suns, no wins and three losses. So let's catch up with a player that we thought played sensational on debut with her team making debut in Division One, the Seattle Grizzlies. Her name is Amelia Carr. She did a fantastic job in the back line, read the ball well, kicked the ball cleanly, plenty of good run, and if she can learn how to bounce by jingos, she could be a threat, a force to be reckoned with, not only in women's football in the USA, but could be quite a good player if she wanted to try her hand in Australia. We caught up with her and we first of all asked her how did she find Aussie Rules Football? Um, I started watching it actually last summer. I was staying at my parents' house and um, I was just it, I just turned to the channel and saw this game that I just fell in love with and I kind of, kind of thought it was a combination of all the sports that I've played growing up. Soccer, basketball, little volleyball, track and field. So um, I emailed our, our, um, our founder, the women's founder of the Seattle Grizzlies and I just started started playing, uh, joined the team in uh, June. Indeed you did. There was the Western Regionals, a number of other games. How did you found the competition when you took on uh, the Western Regionals uh, up to Vancouver and even Portland? Yeah, um, we've been we've been playing Vancouver and Portland a, a few times um, just because they're the closest team to us. And um, honestly, it's 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 been cool to combine with the teams and uh, be able to see how like each each um, side plays. Like most of the sides have Australians on them too, and um, it's it's kind of cool to see just like people who've grown up with the game how they play. And uh, then going to the Western Regionals, it was like a whole a whole new atmosphere seeing more teams that have been kind of grown up playing like the last 10 years uh, the game. The Nationals, of course, is a round-robin tournament. The first game that you managed to play, you played against not only the reigning champions, they go on to be back-to-back champions, San Francisco. Didn't get on the scoreboard. What was said between then and the next game to make sure that everyone kept positive and had a go again in game two? Yeah, um, actually in the, in the in our first game in Western Regionals, we had, we ended up playing Denver first and so San Francisco this time. And so it was, it was kind of tricky um, getting into the groove, especially because we're such a new team. But um, I think we we did kind of switch around the lineup a bit, and um, we found everybody's strengths. We found where everybody was was uh, comfortable playing, and who 
had chemistry with one another. Um, and honestly, we just we just gritted it out the last two games, I think. How does it feel in game two? You're taking on Montreal. All of a sudden, you kick two straight. You're in front, and you finally break through for your first win on debut at Nationals. It was definitely very emotional. Um, I'm not sure if anybody actually expected us to win the any games just because this is our first year. We're a new team. And so just having having that grit and going out, everybody playing playing their hardest, playing playing with Amelia their emotions. The <laughs> Um, yeah, I, th- I think it, I think it is a it's a great portrayal of what our what our team what our team is. We're gritty, um, we're strong, and uh, we're gonna get it next year for sure. Do you think the actual help with recruiting that you managed to beat Montreal? You got close as well against Minnesota, so it's now a case of knowing you're actually not too far off the top teams. Yeah, I think so. We de- we definitely looked for athletes when we we're recruiting, and um, like a lot of people have the, na- the kind of the natural talent, and all we need to do is really um you know get the game plan going and uh i think people need to develop their skills a little bit but honestly i think we'll be good for next year and just get training going and i think we'll you also put on the jumper to play against the aussie sparks the uh, touring women's side we felt like in both games they were obviously going to win comfortably because it's australians and they're natural to the game played it for so long but how did you feel for yourself personally going up against that level of competition yeah i definitely wanted to play just because i wanted to get that experience and no one no one really gets that experience to play against an Australian team unless you're there yeah. in Australia and so you could definitely see kind of the, how they're how cemented their skills are compared to ours even like all the even all the US teams that we've played um, so it was it was definitely very cool to see um, to see like what we could work towards and just kind of the skills that we need to work on in the offseason and as well for you personally uh, from an independent po- commentator's point of view the games that we saw we thought you were the player of the tournament for Seattle. How does it feel for you to come away to dominate so much in your first ever nationals? That that's great. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, from last year when I when I watched this game, I I thought to myself I could be great doing this, and um, I think it. I think these last few games I think were my best games that I've ever played, and I think it's because I just I I felt like more of a leader. I felt more experienced um, than some of the other players on the team that can, just came on, and I and I think it was. It was me knowing that I had to be a leader. I had to show the team that I was aggressive to the ball, um, that I had heart in this, and that what I've been working towards is is um, is going to help the team. Amelia, congratulations again on a great Nationals, getting your debut win, and best of luck as you recruit more players and try to go one better in the Division One in the 2018 Nationals. Thank you so much. Amelia Carr there from the Seattle Grizzlies. We also caught up with owner New Wen and Laurie Quoker from the Sacramento Suns. They pushed the Denver Bulldogs just falling short. They pushed the New York Magpies just falling short. They weren't able to come away with a tournament, but they were really happy with their performances. Here's Una Nguyen and Laurie Quoker. Yeah, we put up a really good fight. We just lost by just a couple goals, and it's really frustrating that the scoreboard does not show how hard we fought for it. I know that game against New York... I think we lost by five points, and guys from other clubs who aren't even affiliated with either one of us said that that was the best game of footy that they've watched all weekend, so that's quite the compliment, and I'm just excited to see what's going to happen next year, because obviously our tournament just keeps getting harder and harder, and like just the competition keeps going up and up, and I'm really excited to see next year and everything, but for now, a break. Ona, how does it feel to be back from the Liberty Tour and back amongst your sons? It feels really good to play with your whole 
home club. Um, this tournament is definitely not the result that we were hoping for, but I'm really proud of our team. Thinking back to how we were playing a few years ago, every single year we come out, um, we play harder. We I feel like we bring out a stronger team, and I couldn't be more proud of the girls that, that put it all on the field this weekend. And what did it mean as well to uh, do a little bit of a training with the Aussie Sparks prior to the Nationals? Uh, of course, Laura, you weren't there. And both of you were there. Did you skip as well, Ona? Yeah. I was actually babysitting oh. <laughs> no, for my teammates so that they could both participate in, in there, yeah. But I heard it went really well, and I know the girls took a lot away from it, and I think that helped a lot of our rookies getting that training with the Aussie Sparks, getting more of a, like a fast-paced training to get just prepare them for what Nationals is like. So that really helped our team. What do you feel about the development of women's football so far in America now that it's growing? We've actually seen wins for Seattle in Division One. We saw wins for LA. I think they actually walked away with three wins out of Division 2, a win for Texas as well. What does that mean to have new sides up and coming? I think it's really, it's so exciting. I think every year um, that we come out to Nationals, it's just going to be bigger and bigger. And um... <laughs> I'm excited. I just know the competition is going to get better. Um, we'll have more. I know it'll be harder to get on the freedom and the liberty, which will be greater. And more. maybe we'll have more girls going over to Australia, spend a year there, and then come back and just teach their clubs what they know and just build a bigger community. I know we had 273 girls here this year which it's just grown every year like so much not even just by a little just so much and the fact that we have two full divisions is just amazing and it's I just see it going all uphill from here just quickly as well back home in Australia there's usually at any class from any level there's usually what we call social club fines which is a case of towards a you know an uh, end of season trip or, or whatever players have got to throw money in in case they appear in the media or in the paper if they get their photo in there I don't know, how much have you hit up Laurie for for appearing as almost the face of that USAFL come have a kick ad. I feel like we should create Lorraine's own little media fun because she <laughs> shows up a lot in uh, in footy media. So thanks for the idea. I'll definitely bring it back to the club <laughs> and uh, maybe it'll be our like our fundraiser for the kickoff of next season. You know, she appears in the media so much she could almost pay for the trip for the entire team next year. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for for grabbing her and, and doing lots of interviews and stuff. Uh, it'll support our cause. Yeah. <laughs> Ona, congratulations again on the Liberty Tour again with Lorraine. And uh, tough luck not coming away from the win, but well played. And best of luck next year when the Sacramento Suns go around again. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Peter. One familiar name that took part in the tournament for the Montreal Angels was Valerie Moreau. Of course, you may know her from the Canada Northern Lights side. She was named as player of the tournament in the women's division in the 2017 AFL International Cup. She'd been training over the summer in Australia with the Victorian Women's Football Academy was a player with the Eastern Devils in the Victorian Football League women's competition. She found herself back with her Montreal Angels, albeit in the United States. We asked her how did it feel to be amongst her Canadian teammates once again. Feels good. It's um, it's the family that I miss. Like it's probably one of the things that I miss the most is my family, my real family, but also the family from my footy club. So the, the Eastern Devils are amazing, but that club is just the, the first club I've joined. So nothing's ever going to replace that. They're just a bunch of girls that I just love. The Legos, Barreau, Leduc, Rakowski, a bunch of stars in that team. Yeah, definitely. And they, they put it out, out there. They were good. They were amazing. And it was so fun to connect with them on and off the field again. It was just, yeah. 
so good. <laughs> Bit of a tough tournament. You didn't come away with the win, um, losing to all three sides. If you were to look critically at your game, because you technically made the step up from Division 2 to Division 1, what would you like to see improved upon? Because I think there was a number of new players on your side, wasn't there? We had 13 new players, so that was their first national. So they might have played back home in Montreal this summer, but it was, yeah, we had 13 new girls that never played at the nationals before. So just trying to work with this and try to teach them how to play still while playing at the nationals in Div 1. Um, definitely a huge step up. I was just so good to have a full team this year. So the, so different and to have like half a team. Like when you when you play Div 2 and you have to like bunch with other teams from um, other cities from the States, it's good. It's different. It's definitely different. It's, um, I don't know, it's just, it was just a good thing to be able to have our own team and it's our own family. We've got, like we're, everyone has their back. It's just, it's just good. I just, I would just hope to have a full team every year. It's just good. How have you viewed this Nationals differently to the last Nationals, considering everything that you've been through? You've had the Victorian Women's Football Academy over summer in Australia. You played a full season with the Eastern Devils and the VFLW. How do you view football now? Um, I've, I've got to be honest, and I've got to say that I've missed playing footy really just for fun. So that's the biggest difference between back home with the Devils, where it's, it's a competitive level, and everyone's yeah. trying to make their way to the AFL. Yeah. Uh, here, everyone is coming over to San Diego from Montreal. They're all spending like a thousand bucks just to be yeah. here for the weekend, and it, everyone's just here for fun, whether it's your teammates or the opposition. Everyone's just here, yes, to win, but it's mostly just for fun, and I've, I've missed that atmosphere. Um, it's just, yeah, it's different. It's I've, I've loved being over there with the Devils, but this is just, it's one of the best weekends every, week, every year. Well, the one thing you wouldn't see back at the Melgrave Reserve is the Coopers in your hand. You've got that here at the USAFL Nationals. Yeah, well, I still, like, I'm still in love with Australia, so it feels good to have a bit of home because Australia, I call Australia home, so it feels good to have a bit of home in my hand right now. <laughs> you beauty, Valerie. And just quickly, you did play against the Aussies in a way in the Sparks, and you did very well against them as well. How did you feel after, I guess, playing the Americans and Canadians and then having a quick hit out against the Aussies? I was good. Um, yeah, it felt a little bit more like what happened over the last year, obviously. Um, the opposition was a bit more skilled. Uh, they knew a little bit more what to do with the ball. There was options all around. It was just a crowded um, crowded foodie game kind of thing. Um, so it was good to play that game just to remind me a little bit about what just happened for the last year. Valerie, thanks very much for joining us. Enjoy the after party and well played in the tournament. Will do. Thank you. So we've been talking about Division 1 for the women at the USAFL Nationals. Let's focus on Division 2 where a grand final wasn't played. They had five teams and they played a round robin. All, ga- all teams playing four games and the team obviously with the most wins at the end of the day would be proclaimed as champions. It finished like this. At the bottom of the table, the Columbus Gillaroos, who had teamed up with the North Star Blue Ox and uh, Chicago Swans. Uh, no wins and four losses. The Baltimore Washington Lady Eagles and Boston Demons combination finished with one win and three losses. The Texas Heat, made up of the Houston Lone Stars and Dallas Magpies, with a player from the Wisconsin Wombats, they finished with two wins and two losses. On debut, and that's not too bad on debut for them as well, for the Texas Heat finishing third. Also on debut, finishing second, the Los Angeles Dragons, teaming up with spare players from the San Francisco Iron Maidens, Arizona Hawks, and Des Moines Roosters. They finished three wins and one loss. And finishing on top of the table, technically we could say back to back to 
back-to-back premierships because they teamed up with Calgary uh, in 2015, but wore the Sockeyes jumpers as champions in 2016 and 2017. The Portland Sockeyes teamed this year with the Philadelphia Hawks, four wins and zero losses. We'll hear from the Sockeyes in a moment's time. But first of all, we wanted to catch up with a club debuting in Division 2. Uh, they end up supplying uh, five players to the tournament and on Sunday got to wear their blue uh, ox jumpers uh, for the very first time. We spoke to Olivia Van Gareth from the North Star Blue Ox. You know, I feel like we really uh, enjoy our time and uh, no pressure. We were just out here and kind of just enjoying the whole experience. I mean, it's not like it's our first national tournament. So uh, just to be able to come out here and represent a new team, it's been exciting and, you know, we're really fortunate to have a uh, to team up with Columbus and uh, Chicago for, for the tournament. And as well, uh, as you said, when you teamed up with Columbus, you wore the Gillaroos jumper on Saturday. But for the first time on Sunday, you got to wear your own Blue Ox jumper. What does that mean for you personally to see your own jumper running around? You know, it, it feels very, I mean, we're very proud. You know, it feels very legitimate to actually be able to show our brand, show our logo, and it makes us excited for next year. So we're already thinking and planning about what we want to do to start recruitment and uh, as far as like fitness and our schedule, what we want to be able to do for uh, just to hopefully we can get you know twice as much if not more so there was a presentation by Minneapolis to the USAFL on Friday to host next year's nationals if it does come to the Midwest what would that mean for you as a club to be in your backyard it'd be very exciting of course you know as Minnesotans you know we hope to go with some warmer climate I mean that's one of the appeals of it but and hopefully the weather will hold off well I mean this year it's been really warm and pleasant for us but you know in the same token too you know it'd be really great to be able to have this in our backyard and to be able to host it along with I'm sure Minnesota Freeze too so and what's the next step for the Blue Locks to try and encourage your recruitment program to try and bump up your numbers I think that's one thing that's been very nice is like you know we've actually been able to capture some uh, some pictures and some photos so it, it makes and, and the fact that we have jumpers now yeah. it makes it a lot more legitimate for us mm. so it makes it more exciting that way so next year I think we have some game plan I know we have a lot of women that were interested it's just like we were just <laughs> kind of starting off kind of getting our feel of like what schedule is going to work for all of us so now that we have a good sense of that and we're here you know legitimately as a four you know four or five players um, next year it's going to be very different so I'm, I'm, I'm excited so Olivia thanks very much for joining us and well done on the tournament and best of luck next year for the North Star Blue Ox thank you very much I appreciate all your support and now let's catch up with the Division Two champions. We did something a little different. We caught up with Heather Serpico, uh, the heartbeat of the Sockeyes, hashtag Serpico City, and uh, we got her to take her around and uh, chat to all of her teammates. It was almost like a uh, roaming BT-type scenario as they were celebrating uh, yet another title for the Portland Sockeyes. And, of course, we asked Heather, how did it feel to be technically back-to-back-to-back champions of Division Two? That's amazing. I, I can't... You know, say enough about my squad. We have uh, constantly keep on getting great recruits that are just so dedicated to the game and committed to improving their skills week in and week out. They've been practicing since February. Actually, really, since January, which is very, very impressive stuff. Um, you know, every single Sunday and then Wednesdays later into the summer, they've been there. Uh, and it's it's all due to them. Let's walk and talk because you got some teammates to introduce you. First of all, I'm not sure if we'll talk to her because she's from the eastern suburbs of Melbourne. I don't know if I, I'm from the west. You know, you get no. Simone Shepard, first of all, how does it feel the back to back wearing the Portland jumper? Uh, couldn't be 
be proud of. Love my teammates. We're a family. So proud. And every year, whatever team combines with us, we just instantly gel like one. And it's I couldn't be more thankful for for being a part of Portland. And just quickly, you also had Lucy Parenting come into the side. How does that feel to free you up so you're not having to be in either the forward line or ruck? You can concentrate on one position. She's got the other end of the ground. Exactly. That's exactly how it felt for me. I was free to roam and just do whatever. I didn't have to worry about the ruck. And then having uh, the people that we had this year, I was I didn't have to feel like I had to cover as much ground. I could read the play, be a kick ahead, and trust my teammates. So it was awesome. I loved it. Heather, who else have you got? Let's guide us around the circle. <laughs> this is Georgie Walker. She's also from Australia, Perth. How does it feel, first of all, to share the name with an AFLW recruit, Georgia Walker out of Seaford, who went to Collingwood? And to be honest, I'm a Carlton fan, so not really familiar with the Collingwood players, but to be here as an Australian girl playing with such an amazing bunch of American and Australian girls is the best feeling in the world. How did you end up in Portland, Oregon? And more importantly, how did you end up with the Sockeyes? Uh, so my husband and I were looking to uh, do a work transfer. He got a job in uh, Portland, so we thought, well, we may as well just pack up, come along. I was looking to make friends, looking to join a team and reached out to Heather. She was so quick to respond, so quick to recruit. And here I am doing what Australians do best, I guess. <laughs> Quickly for the Heather approval, how do you like your steak done? Medium. <laughs> Wrong answer. <laughs> Move along. Who else have we got, Heather? We got Eve Brickner. She's originally an Iron Maiden. She moved to Portland two years ago, and we actually moved at the same time, and she joined the Sock Guys eagerly, supposedly as a social player, and that quickly changed when she found the back line and put some uh, put her body on some ladies. So. First of all, how does it feel to be at a better club? Sorry, San Francisco. <laughs> Best decision I ever made. <laughs> Couldn't be happier. It was a perfect way to end my season before I moved to New Zealand. You're moving to New Zealand. How did that happen? Found a Kiwi. Fell in love. I don't think there's any answer for that. You fell in love with a Kiwi. I mean, uh, you know. It's... Because they drink my Coopers in a 420 koozie. I'm not sure how to explain that to him, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> it's all fine, but when it comes to Bledisloe Club Rugby, we don't know you. We don't know you. First of all, how does it feel to be playing in this Portland side that, as Portland, have gone back-to-back? It's been amazing. I have never played with more amazing women who are so um, easy to share the ball and to teach people who are new to the game. They're patient. They're good. And they're they're just fun to play with. Thanks very much for that in San Francisco. And they're going to kill me for that. Uh, Heather, who else have we got as you go around the circle? We got Jackie White. Uh, she's a, a, a recruit at two years now playing with us. First year at Nationals as well as Eve. Um, awesome rugby background. Knows how to put her body on the line and, and protect her teammates. So first of all, the training, how does it feel to do what everyone else does and tackle Heather? <laughs> Feels great. It's just the <laughs> highlight of my day. <laughs> And it happens every five minutes, I'm told. Seriously, what does it mean to be part of this Portland side that seems to just keep growing and growing in numbers and performance-wise keeps getting better and better? Um, it's really exciting. Um, even in just the two years that I've been involved, there really has grown a lot, and it's great to just see new people coming in from different like athletic backgrounds and just kind of taking to the game and being really excited about like coming to nationals and winning another championship. And what would it mean to you as a club if you were to take the next step next year, have enough players, and go up and play in Division One? I think that'd be really exciting. I mean, we would love to do it. Um, we're 
working really hard to get more people involved. So it's definitely a goal. Thank you very much. I'll try and keep Heather in check. She's being a rat bag at the moment. Who else have you got, Heather? We got, we got Lauren here. Lauren Williams from uh, first. She's actually a rookie. Just moved here from Buffalo two, three months ago now. Uh, first thing she did when she got here, she checked out meetups, said, what's Aussie rules? And came out for a kick. And an absolute natural gun for us. Uh, really took charge on the wing this year. And, I mean, I'll let her speak for it. Well, first of all, I'm shocked that she's a rookie because we thought, oh, she played well. Which Aussie did you pick up? So you picked up easily a gun player. First of all, what were you thinking when you clicked on a button that said Aussie rules football? It said you got to run around and you'd get a lot of exercise. I have a lot of energy. <laughs> so I figured a good way to run around. And then you get to hit people. So it just kept coming back. Is that the thing about this sport? American women love the fact of I get to legally hit people. I mean, that's an added bonus. I, I like being able to take people out and not go to jail. And how does it feel to be playing alongside fellow, well, I say fellow Aussie, Aussies in the side, such as we've got Lucy here. We've obviously got uh, uh, Simone as well. Those that have played the game back home and are able to try and teach you to develop your game. I mean, everyone's really open and, like, willing to help you. It, we all feel like we're kind of playing at the same level. No one, feel, like, treats you like you're below them. It's a really good group. Everyone helps each other. They help you be better. So I really enjoy working alongside them. Heather, let's continue on. Who else have we got in your merry circle? Well, we got Jess Blecker here, and I think everyone knows Jess Blecker for her face plant last year at Nationals. Uh, it was one of the best things I've ever seen. And mind you, the plastic surgery after it's been great. No, it's really... No, it's, uh, it's more beautiful than yeah. ever. Yeah, she's been a great player, plays for the USA, been sensational again for you, for the Sockeyes. Jess is an uh, original Sockeye. Her and Simone Shepard are the first of the Sockeyes. Um, I came in and, and just got lucky having them around when I when I showed up. Um, and and if, if no one knows, Jess is headed, headed to their side of the world, uh, Darwin, next year. So You're headed off to Darwin to play in the NTFL women's competition. Yes, I am. I'm excited to be the first woman to do this exchange with the USAFL. How would it feel for you if you had a great season in the NTFL? And that's the drafting zone for the Adelaide Crows. And they picked up the phone saying, hey, what are you doing this AFLW season? My best friend's family is a huge Port Adelaide fan, so it would kill them. But I would say, yes, it would be the greatest accomplishment. So I would love it. As a founding member, co-founding member of the Sockeyes, what does it mean to you personally? Where You helped Calgary out in 2015, but wearing the Sockeyes jumper, you won 2016 and 2017. What does it mean to such a developing club to have so much success so early? It means a lot. Wearing our own jumpers, having the cups and showing them off to everyone, it's a big accomplishment and we can just show everyone and say how great of a team we are and then that just even drags more people into the great club that we have. We've seen the improvement from Seattle this year. They went to Division 1 and they even won a game against Montreal which surprised everyone. What does it mean and, and how is it happening that women's football is growing so successfully in the Pacific Northwest? You know, I just think a lot of people are running around the trees and want to see what they can do around other people, you know? Um, I think there's a lot of athletic talent. Um, it's a really big outdoorsy bicycle town and they just kind of want to see what other athletics they can do. So, Congratulations on going back-to-back and taking that title. Heather, who's the final player you've got hiding here for us? We got Lucy Parrington, a new recruit to the Sockeyes as of February of 2017. Lucy reached out to the club when she was looking to move to Portland uh, for a work opportunity, and she was just looking for some insight on housing and seeing if she could come out and have a run and a kick, and uh, we made sure we turned it into something a little more, wooing her as best we could, and 
one of the best things that's ever happened to this club. LJ, you played footy in, uh, in Melbourne at Melbourne Uni at Port Melbourne Colts. Did you join the Socceroos? First of all, meet Heather and go, what the heck am I getting myself into? Uh, no. <laughs> um, no, look, uh, first off, I mean, I wasn't expecting to find a, an Australian football team in Portland, that's that's for sure. But once I, I saw that, I reached out and um, they were just really welcoming. And, yeah, it was awesome, like super welcoming, um, got me to come down. And, you know, after that, I was, I was pretty well sold. Um, Heather was great from the start and she was just, yeah, like really good with stuff even outside of football, you know, helping me out with... Uh, you know, giving advice on housing and stuff before I had moved over. Um, yeah. And just quickly as well, of course, we spoke to you on the podcast earlier at the year at Girls Play Footy and the article as well. How much have you been able to help and pass on the knowledge to some of the American girls to try and help improve their game? And how have you seen their improvement in the last few months? Uh, well, I, I hope I've been able to pass on stuff, but I think maybe they'd be able to attest to that a little bit more than um, me saying. Uh, I guess where I can, I've been trying to help provide different uh, bits of feedback to, to players when I can, uh, just trying to encourage them and give them sort of tips and things where I think, you know, they could maybe advance with stuff. Uh, I think if, if I could say one thing that I think I've really seen is... Uh, one of the players, Zaya McSky, uh, over the last, I don't know, six to eight weeks after we did a couple of marking drills and I've been really trying to push her to drive forward and attack the ball. And her marking skills have just, like, improved out of sight. You know, she's running up and she's trying to grab the ball in the air now. Hands are in the right spot. And, yeah, like, she's doing awesome. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Hopefully my feedback's been good to different players, but... Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. You've had various honours. I think, if I'm correct, you won a Division 2 flag with Port Melbourne Colts and the VWFL. You've represented Australia in ice hockey. Where does it sit on the personal scale for you to be playing football in the USA and to win a Division 2 title with the Portland Sockeyes? Oh, look, I'm loving the fact that I've been able to, you know, partake in this. It's been awesome. The weather's been great. My teammates are, yeah, like, really amazing. And I think just being able to play a sport that I've, you know, started to love over the last few years back in Australia and still being able to continue doing that over here has just been, yeah, it's been awesome. And just quickly, the quick miracle of being from Melbourne with a white skin and not a bit of sunburn on you. Sunblock. Sunblock, <laughs> sunblock, sunblock. I think I've, uh, I think I've probably reapplied about three or four times uh, today and I would say that when you're, when you're quite, you know, pale as I am, and you grow up in Australia, you learn very quickly to reapply. So I, I just managed to get through it, I guess. Lucy, thanks for joining us. Finally, one last one, Heather, as we pull you back in. Just for you personally as well, you were voted as a member at large to join the USAFL board. What does it mean for you to have that position in American football? I'm really excited about it. Um, I'm excited about continuing to grow the game, not just on the women's side, on the men's side as well. Uh, I'm a big fan of skilled players. Uh, I think that's what causes retention. I think the more people understand the game, the more people understand how to 
play it properly, the more they're going to want to show back up next week, next year, next season, season after season. And that's because, you know, they didn't put in all that hard work and effort for nothing. They didn't come, they didn't just do that, you know, to be a one and done. Um, and I think for the women's game, uh, I'm there. I'm there for them. Uh, 100%. Been on the Women's Association for the last two years now, and I'm hoping that we can transition together once again uh, with the USAFL board and, and work together in a way that's positive for the whole USAFL. Heather, once again, thank you for your time and congratulations back to back under the Sockeyes Jumpers. Thank you so much, Peter. And on behalf of Katie Lambeski, we thank everyone at the AFL Women's Draft and at the USAFL Nationals for their time and speaking to us here at Girls Play Footy. It is very much appreciated. Time to wrap things up. Just a friendly reminder that this radio program airs Wednesday evening around about 6pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time on RSN Carnival Digital Radio in Melbourne and on the RSN Radio Racing and Sport app. You can also download this as a podcast on Thursday mornings by going to Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud and searching for Girls Play Footy. Don't forget all the latest women's footy news at girlsplayfooty.com and you can follow us on social media. Find Girls Play Footy at Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. I'm Peter Holden. Thank you very much for your company and I look forward to catching you again soon with another episode of Girls Play Footy. Until then, bye for now.